This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hello and welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast brought to you by the Leaders Institute and FearlessPresentations.com. I'm your host, Doug Stannard, president of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps people just like you get rid of that public speaking fear and increase your success by increasing your confidence when you communicate. So on today's podcast, we're going to share something with you that will allow you to break pretty much every rule in public speaking. And if you do this one thing, the audience is still going to love you. And in addition to that, we're also going to cover a new tech find that will help you add some humor, add some little funny stories, anecdotes into your presentation uh, pretty easily. By the way, we offer three five-minute videos on fearlesspresentations.com that will help you analyze your strengths as a speaker, identify where your nervousness is coming from, and how to conquer it, and also give you the pros and cons of different types of presentation skill development programs. Each of the videos are less than five minutes long, and they are absolutely free to all of our podcast listeners. So just go to fearlesspresentations.com and on the on the homepage, you'll see a big YouTube screen. Just register with the site and you'll get access to all three videos. In addition, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Many of our topics, the, the topics that we cover on the podcast really come from questions that we get on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And at the bottom of every page of the fearlesspresentations.com website are icons to the various social media platforms. But just as a recap, uh, Facebook is is facebook.com slash fearless presentations. Our Twitter handle is a little shorter. It's at FP class for fearless presentations class at FP class. And if you connect with me on LinkedIn, you can do that at linkedin.com slash in slash Doug Stannard. That's D-O-U-G-S-T-A-N-E-A-R-T. And we respond to all questions and comments on each of these platforms. So reach out to us as often as you like. In addition, if you like the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and Facebook, Google, or even Yelp, or all four of them. If you don't like the podcast, just message us on Twitter with your with your comments. And in you know, all of those comments help us create a much better program for everyone. So today's tech find is actually an old school presentation helper that has a pretty good internet presence and as a result can really help you add some humor into your in your presentations. Um, it's Reader's Digest, basically the old old timey um, magazine that's been around forever. And in fact, when when I first started teaching other instructors, when when other instructors, when other presenters, when other facilitators started coming to me and saying. Hey, Doug, I really like what you're doing. I, I, I'd really like to learn what you're doing. And one of the first things I, I kind of taught my, my first few, you know, quote unquote pupils about how to be a great professional speaker is that you have to really add some humor into your presentation. And every once in a while, some of these new folks that I was training would come up to me and they, they would say, uh, yeah, but what if I'm not funny? You know, humor is not really my thing. And I always, I would always point them toward Reader's Digest because Reader's Digest, if you guys, if you've been around for a while and and you kind of read Reader's Digest at the grocery store, you bought them and and that kind of thing, 
you, one of the neat things about what Reader's Digest has always done is at the end of the, the major stories that they're covering, a lot of times to take up space, they'll just kind of put little anecdotes, little funny stories. And most of them are true. You know, some of them are obviously kind of just, just jokes, but a lot of them are, are true stories that people have sent in in order to, to get their story published. And so the neat thing about those is because they have a, 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 a lifelike flavor to them, they really work well in in um, in your presentations when you're designing a presentation if you want to add some humor to it. So I was training a, um, a young lady one time. Her name was Connie. She was out of out of um, Florida, and after she and I had worked together for at, at that point maybe about three months or so, where I was when I was training her to be one of our instructors, um, we, I I had mentioned this tip about going to Reader's Digest. And, and I said, hey, I tell you what, let's you pick any one of those little funny stories somewhere in Reader's Digest, and I'll find some way to insert it into the training program that we're going to be doing today. Well, we were teaching a leadership training class, and, and part of that um, training program that we were teaching was on listening and communication skills and, and that kind of thing. So she kind of skimmed through, the, and, and just after she kind of read one of the stories, she just kind of busted out laughing. And I was like, oh, sounds like a good one. And I, I'll kind of tell you the story from what I can remember. It, I, but basically, it was about this uh, this teenager who was babysitting a, a young boy. He's probably four years old, and he and uh, she was making him his making his lunch, and you know, kind of making sandwiches at the kitchen counter. And she kept smelling this weird odor, and so she went over close to where the trash cans were, and she noticed that the cat's litter box was next to the the trash can, and it looked like it hadn't been cleaned in a while. It looked like it hadn't been changed. And of course, being a teenager, she's like gagging from the from the smell. So basically, what she did was uh, she she reached over, had the little scooper, and she was kind of scooping the cat stuff out of the uh, out of the litter box. And every time she would she did it, she would just make a, a an exasperation sound. She and so she'd scoop one after the other. And after after hearing the commotion, the little four year old boy came in while she was kind of down on her knees doing this. And he looks over her shoulder and he's watching her. And she and after a couple of seconds, when she notices that he's there, she turns back to him and says, "Does your mom ever do this?" And the little boy looks back at her, really confused, and said, "No, the cat does." It was pretty funny, a pretty funny story anyway. But the the thing about that is that the we so basically all I had to do was find a way to insert that into the training program that I was doing. And since we were doing a session on listening skills, all I did was just kind of made a, an a point to kind of talk about how sometimes the things that we're saying aren't necessarily identical to what the other person is hearing, and and ta- taught that as a, a listening skill or a listening technique. And by the way, just so you know, that that story or, or that particular tip that I gave as a result of the story didn't really have anything to do with the rest of the training program that I was doing. But it was a fun way to kind of insert something that kind of breaks up the monotony and makes it makes it a little bit more interesting. So so Reader's Digest is a great place to kind of find these things. The neat thing about about Reader's Digest that makes this a tech find is Reader's Digest has a fantastic website and if you go to their website, it's it's just rd.com, you know, Reader's Digest, rd, r, and then d.com. And on that, when you actually go to any page on the Reader's Digest website, 
at the very top in the in the toolbar, it, it'll have a little section called uh, jokes. And if you go to jokes, there'll be different types of jokes. Sometimes some of them are kind of corny and stuff like that, but some of them are related to work. And those are the ones that I kind of gravitate toward. So just I just to kind of tell you or share with you kind of some of the things that you can find there. I just kind of picked one at random. And this was like the first one that I read. And I thought it was pretty funny, so I'll share it with you. So it starts out as, as a speech therapist, I was working with a preschooler on body part identification and the K sound. To to that end, I had him use Play-Doh to make a sculpture of me. And after the kid had done that a little bit, she turned to to the the kid and said, is that my neck? I asked, uh, trying to get him to repeat the word. The little boy looked back up and said, no, that's your chin. So he had a little bit more Play-Doh, and then a little later I said, is that my neck? The little boy kind of looked up and said, no, that's your other chin. <laughs> so anyway, so some of the, sometimes these kind of little funny stories, these funny anecdotes, um, they serve two functions to for a speaker anyway, for a presenter. Number one is you can actually find, if you, if you search long and hard enough, you can find some of these stories that will really fit into your topic and you can use them as a way to kind of add some humor to your presentation. What I find, though, is that I very rarely actually tell these stories. What tends to happen is after you read a few of these, what tends to happen is your brain has this technique that we call hitchhiking, meaning that when you hear something, you... It, re- it reminds you of something from your own experience. And so one of the best ways to add humor into your presentation is to kind of tell one of your own kind of funny stories, something that happened to you at some time in your life. And if you've ever, if you've ever been, if you've ever been someone who's a friend seen in a while, college friends, college chums or, or high school or, or grade school kids, your grade school friends that you've had for a while, haven't seen them for a while and you get together and you start remembering stories it's funny that all of a sudden one of your friends will say, will tell a funny story. And then all of a sudden that will remind you of something funny that happened in your experience as well. And it just happens over and over and over and over again. And that's really what happens when you kind of read through a website like this, you start hearing somebody else's funny story and it'll remind you of something from your own life that you can use in your presentation. So quick, easy way to add some, some humor into your presentation though. So today's hot topic is really the the major secret in great presentations and and the really the the major secret in becoming a great presenter and that is enthusiasm energy and enthusiasm it is the one thing that is it is the most highly sought after character trait in a presenter it's the one thing that every audience really looks for it's one of the things i kind of tell people very early on in in uh, our presentation classes. So if somebody's going to the the fearless presentations class and and they say, "What does it take to be a really really good speaker?" Um, you know, this I, I, this is one of those things that I kind of share with them, and we go into great detail. The reason why is because one of the things that we've kind of figured out over the years is that there really is no such thing as a boring topic. I've seen some speakers get up and speak on topics that I never thought would be even remotely interesting to me. But because the speaker is so interesting, because he or she is so excited, they have so much energy, have so much enthusiasm, they're still captivating. So it can be the most boring topic on the face of the earth, but if you have a really good speaker, they can make it interesting. Now, one of the things that, that we've kind of learned over the years about enthusiasm is that it is one of those things that 
you can pretty much violate every other tip or every every other rule in public speaking. And if you if you're enthusiastic, if you're excited about your topic, your audience will still love you. So they won't care how many times you say um. They won't. So your audience won't care how many times you say um. Um, They won't really focus on your gestures and they won't focus on you uh, not knowing what to do with your hands. Um, If you focus on the enthusiasm and the energy, even if you kind of lose your train of thought every once in a while, it's not going to really matter a whole lot. In fact, it is the one thing that if you are enthusiastic, if you're energetic, it's the one thing that if you have that in your hip pocket, then you can pretty much violate every other every other quote unquote rule of public speaking and your audience is still gonna love you. So that by the way, it's the one simple rule that that um, it trans it has transformed countless of mediocre speakers into good speakers and scores of good speakers into great speakers and numerous great speakers into world-class speakers. It's that one thing that once you add it into your repertoire, once you add that into your tool belt, it will in, in increase your, your skill set as a speaker. And, and in some cases, it'll increase that skill set exponentially. So, so basically, enthusiasm is the key. Enthusiasm is the real secret. So if you have a little excitement in your talk and a spring in your step, you know, people are going to really pay attention. Your audience will have, you know, just about as much excitement about your talk as what you do. And and they'll never have any more energy than that. So if you want your audience to have a, a, a little enthusiasm, if you want them to be excited about your topic, you have to have a little bit more energy. You have to have a little bit more excitement about what you're speaking on. So one of my mentors, when I when I was first starting to to speak professionally, she she told me that there are basically two rules in the world of professional speaking. She said, rule number one is to never speak on a topic that you yourself are not enthusiastic about. And then rule number two was, if you ever violate rule number one, you have to fake it till you make it. So even it, so basically, even if you're not that excited about it, if you act enthusiastic about the the thing that you're speaking on a lot of times you'll kind of feel better about it so um one of the first books i ever read in when i became a a professional speaker was by a guy named frank frank betcher and frank betcher was one of the he was one of the top sales people and i think he was in insurance sales but he was one of the top sales people in in like the 1930s 1940s so i'm not sure exactly when the book was written but my guess would be sometime in the 1950s and what was funny was that i came across this book and I don't know in the in the early '90s, maybe mid '90s, something like that. So it was already 50 years old, and I was shocked at how much wisdom was in that book and how practical it was even in in the the modern age back then. Um, so the but what was interesting about this book, though, one of the most important things that that I came across was right in the very first chapter, and I think it might have actually been in the introduction. But the book, by the way, the name of the book was How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. And basically what Betcher said was, you know, if you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. So it was basically, it was a way of thinking. If if you're in sales, if you're a presenter, and really, I mean, if if you're... if you're a presenter, if you're presenting, you're selling. <laughs> you're selling your ideas to your audience. So, but what what he said though was that 
your audience is never going to be any more enthusiastic about whatever whatever it is that you're selling than what you are. So if you are not that enthusiastic about this thing that you're selling, then you have to act like you're enthusiastic. And what's interesting is that once you act like you're enthusiastic about it, eventually you will become enthusiastic. Um, one of the great stories from that book that that um, that I recall was when Frank Betcher was um, he was actually a, a, a major league baseball player, uh, minor league baseball. He was he was he had uh, been drafted to uh, play in in the major leagues and what and uh, he was on one of the farm teams for the major leagues, probably a double A uh, baseball team, and he was he was anxious about fitting in you know since he was so young still in high school he was so young and and you know there were a lot of you know grizzly veterans on the on the team so he just kind of went around doing what they were doing the first couple of days that he was there and these guys were kind of cutting corners they weren't really putting a whole lot of effort in and so he was just kind of doing what they were doing and the manager just ripped him a new one told him how he was you know he was dragging around and he had no energy and and ended up firing firing uh, Frank. So, so there he was. His his first you know week in the in the major leagues, or in, in the minor leagues anyway. He was uh, fired right away, and he so he basically went to this um, this bush league. That and I I think in the book I think it said that he was getting like twenty five cents a week. You know, so it was he was making nothing from the even back then. That was that was not a whole lot of money, and. Um, and he he swore that he would never have anybody tell him that he would he didn't have any energy again. So when he got out in, into this uh, this smaller league, he started playing like he was on fire. And what what was interesting was the one of the uh, major league scouts for the St. Louis Cardinals were was actually at the first game that he played in, and uh, and and went up to him afterward and said, "What in the heck are you doing in this?" Have you know this uh, this little bush league, and he ended up recruiting him to go and play directly into the the major league into for the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals, and so there he was like this was like within two weeks of the time that he had gotten fired for having no energy, he was playing for the the St. Louis Cardinals, and basically he said the one thing that was different about his his uh, behavior or the one thing that had changed and that short couple of weeks was his energy and, and his enthusiasm. And then later on in the book, he kind of talked about how how uh, when he went into sales, you know, when he had, he got an injury and he wasn't able to play in the majors anymore, and when and so he decided to, to go into sales. And he said when he first started in sales, he did the same exact thing. He was going in and trying to sell without having a whole lot of energy, without having a whole lot of, of enthusiasm about what it was, and got reamed by his boss one more time. And that, that lesson that he learned in baseball came back to him. And so basically what he decided to do was he was going to be the most enthusiastic salesperson ever on the face of the earth. And within a few years, he became one of the top salespeople for that, for that, um, for that entire company. So, and that's really the kind of story that you want to keep in mind. That's the, that's the thought process that you want to keep in mind when you're designing your presentations, when you're delivering your presentations is you want to have that energy. One of the, one of the guys I used to work with, um, 
He's a, a professional uh, speaking coach here in uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area where I am. He said, he said, when you're teaching classes, Doug, pretend like you're double parked. <laughs> Basically, pretend like you're somebody's going to tow your car. So get it, get in, and have some energy, enthusiasm, and and get out while the audience still loves you. And that's usually a really good technique to to kind of use. So for those of you who get nervous in front of groups, by the way, it's even easier to to generate this this enthusiasm. So like. Earlier, I talked about, uh, in, and I think in the very first podcast, I talked about how a lot of the nervousness that we have doesn't even show. You know, a lot of that, we usually say thing, like about nerv- 90% of the stuff that happens to us when we get nervous are things that the audience is never going to pick up on anyway. The neat thing about that is the other 10%, the 10% that we kind of overlooked, are things that you can actually use to your advantage because... The things that do show when you're nervous are your rate of speech, for instance. A lot of times when we get nervous, we tend to speak really, really quickly. And so when you're speaking quickly, that has the perception to the audience that you're actually enthusiastic about what you're talking about. The other thing that tends to happen is we tend to get those nervous tics, but the nervous tics, especially if you can kind of control them a little bit, you, it just shows that you're moving more. So when you're enthusiastic about something, you actually have more movement. You have more exaggerated gestures and that kind of thing. So those things that do show to your audience can actually be seen by your audience as being enthusiasm or energy. And I can pretty much guarantee that there's at least a few people, and probably, there may be hundreds of people out there that are listening to this podcast right now. And at some point in your life, at some point in your career, you got up and you gave a presentation and then at the end of the presentation, you're going, you're going, oh, my God, that was so bad. I can't believe I just bombed that. And then somebody came up to you right afterwards and they said, oh, my God, you are a natural here. You are so good at speaking. And a lot of times what happens is when we hear things like that, we start to think, oh, man, they're just trying to make me feel better because I know that was terrible. But in reality, there is a good chance that that person who gave you that compliment, that was probably a genuine compliment. They probably saw your nervousness and thought of you as being energetic and enthusiastic. And so a lot of times you can use that energy, that nervous energy especially, to um, to your advantage. Um Years ago, I was a sales manager, and I was often amazed at the number of times that a that a brand new salesperson without a whole lot of product knowledge and you know really absolutely no experience could could come in and and close sale after sale after sale. While some of my more seasoned salespeople were really struggling, and the more times that I went on sales calls with these with these new people, the more I started noticing that a pattern was developing. The new salespeople were often really really nervous. So when they would walk into an office on a sales call, they would tend to cut right to the chase. You know, they, they generally talked fast because they were afraid that they were going to forget something. And, and they had a really tough time sitting still because of the nervousness. So they, they kind of moved around a lot. The very first time that I saw this happen was actually pretty amazing. I had uh, I'd just become a, a sales manager. And in fact, um, for those of you who kind of heard my story before, I um I had I was working for a big oil company. Oil prices had gone way down. I was one of the last guys that they had hired and so I I knew the handwriting was on the wall that eventually I was probably going to get laid off. So I I decided to be a little proactive and I went out and looked for a new career, something outside the oil industry that I could go into. And you know, one of my friends was in sales. He said, "Man, Doug, with your personality, you, you should go into sales." And I was actually working for a, a sales organization for about six months before my boss quit. 
and since my boss left on such short notice, the um, the bo- my boss's boss didn't really have a whole lot of choice, so he made me the sales manager. So here I am. I have six months worth of of um, practical sales skills, and I was I'd done pretty well in that six months. I, I mean, I was one of the top salespeople, if not the top sales guy. But um, but I didn't really really have a whole lot of management experience. So the very first guy that I hired was uh, a retired guy. Uh, this was going to be his second career. He had just retired from the retail industry. So he didn't really have a whole lot of business-to-business sales experience. So I did what my boss did. I kind of gave him a, a three-ring binder pitch book. That's what we used back then. You know, This was back before a lot of the, um, the high-tech gadgets that we have nowadays. But I gave him a three-ring binder, and, and I basically went through a sales pitch with him, and then he went through it with me. And after we practiced it a few times, we went out to kind of talk to a customer. So I was kind of shadowing him. He went out to talk to his first customer, and it typically would take a, a, a good sales guy maybe 15 minutes to go through the entire three-ring binder. And this guy was so nervous that he was zooming through every page. He was like, and then and then he'd got through the entire you know 15-minute presentation in, I don't know, less than five minutes. It was a fairly short period of time. And I'm sitting there. I'm embarrassed. I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is my first first um, attempt right out of the gate. And I, I, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to explain to my boss now that, that I've kind of screwed up the training process for the first guy that I've hired. And what was interesting, though, was that was right after the guy finished his presentation, and it was it was an awkward ending, by the way. It was basically, like I said, it was a three ring binder, and so he turned the last page of the of the 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 covered protected sheet, and the page was white. You know, he basically there was he he should have stopped on like the call to action page, but he just kind of flipped the page over, so we were all staring at a, a blank white page. And uh, and he just and he didn't know what to say at that point. You know, he was this was his first time to ever get there. And the, the woman that we were talking to that, that was kind of listening to this pitch, she kind of looked at him for a couple of seconds and she went, huh, that that sounds pretty good. What do I need to do? And so he pulled out, he still didn't say anything. He just kind of pulled out a contract and filled out the contract for her. She signed it. And, and as he's as he's packing up his briefcase, I kind of went to the young lady that was that had purchased this from us. And and I kind of I said, hey, just out of curiosity, what was it that made you, you know, um, really want to kind of buy this from us? Uh, what was it that that kind of put you over the the uh, the finish line there? And she said, well, it was the guy's energy. You know, I I figured that if I didn't buy this, that he was just going to go to one of my competitors and they would end up buying it, and I'd end up regretting this. So it was and. I'm floored at that point. I'm kind of as I'm walking out. I'm my head is kind of spinning because I'm going. That was not energy. That was terror. I mean, this guy was so panicked that uh, that I could see it because I knew what it was supposed to sound like. But what was interesting was the the young lady that bought from us. She didn't see it as terror. She didn't see it as nervousness. She saw it as energy. So she saw it as enthusiasm. So a lot of times the same symptoms that we that we feel when we're nervous, and even if it's if it's a high level of anxiety, that is actually seen by the audience a lot of times as being enthusiasm and energy. And in fact, one of the things that we tend to find after um, when, when folks go through the uh, the, the two day fearless presentations class, we spend the whole first day on helping them reduce their nervousness, helping them become more comfortable speaking. And what we tend to find is that 
by the time we get to the second day, they're so comfortable that we actually then have to cover a session on adding an energy and enthusiasm to your presentation because a lot of times they're so comfortable they get a little bit more sedate. And so then we add the energy back in. So if you find that happening, as you start going through more and more of our podcast sessions, if you start to see that your nervousness is starting to diminish and you start to lose some of that energy and enthusiasm, remember all you really have to do is just act enthusiastic. And guess what? Your audience will think you are enthusiastic and you will be enthusiastic. So take this tip and apply it in the real world. Go out and and speak as often as you can, because the more practice that you get and the more successes that you get under, under your belt, the more professional you're going to appear when you're in front of a group. So we'll see you on the next Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week. 